Hey, Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. You can find me under the lights, diamonds under my eyes. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever. So is yesterday, and so is tomorrow, and every day from now until forever. You guys ever think about dying? In 2002, more than 20 years before she was able to see the explosive success of the movie inspired by her creation, Ruth Handler passed away following complications from surgery for colon cancer. On August 8, 2023, the Barbie movie officially sailed past the billion-dollar mark at the box office, shattering records, charming massive audiences of pink-clad theatergoers, turning writer-director Greta Gerwig into the first-ever solo female filmmaker with a billion-dollar movie, and showing few signs of slowing down as it continues its unprecedented run of success in theaters around the world. To call it a phenomenon feels like an understatement, as few predicted a movie about a doll, even the most popular doll on the planet, could put up numbers rivaling historic blockbusters like Titanic and Top Gun Maverick. But perhaps one woman who wouldn't have been so shocked to witness an 11-inch doll reign supreme in Hollywood is Barbie creator Ruth Handler. The story has become the stuff of toy legend, in 1959, Ruth Handler and her husband, Elliot Handler, along with Harold Matt Matson, formed the Mattel Company. The Handlers had been in the furniture business, even landing contracts with Douglas Aircraft, but a downturn in sales and rationing of certain materials around World War II forced them to shift focus to manufacturing small toy furniture to make ends meet. The enterprising couple quickly saw the potential of the toy business and got to work on finding something to capture the attention of kids, looking to their own daughter, Barbara, for inspiration. At the time, and as many of you now know after the inspired opening sequence of the Barbie movie that pays homage to Stanley Kubrick's 2001, most toy dolls were representations of babies. Ruth noticed, however, that her daughter preferred playing with paper dolls and noticed that she often assigned them adult roles. During a trip to Europe in 1956, Ruth found inspiration when she stumbled across a German toy doll called Bild Lily. It was an adult woman figure based on a satirical comic strip at the time that was originally marketed for adults but caught on with children who enjoyed dressing up the doll in various outfits that were sold separately. Ruth bought a few of them, took them back to the States to make some tweaks, and launched her new version, named Barbie after her own daughter, in March 1959 at the American International Toy Fair in New York City. And the rest is history. The 11.5-inch doll in the black and white bathing suit and unrealistic body dimensions became a smash sensation, selling 351,000 dolls in its first year of release, and expanding into an entire line of dolls, including Ken, based on Ruth's son, and going on to become the largest and most profitable line in Mattel history. In 2020 alone, Mattel sold $1.35 billion worth of Barbie dolls and accessories, and the company seemed poised for another period of explosive growth with the success of the movie. Ruth Handler herself led a somewhat more complicated and fascinating life than that of her famous doll. In 1978, Handler was charged with fraud and false reporting of financials to the SEC, eventually pleading no contest and paying a $57,000 fine and getting 2,500 hours of community service. The Handlers were kicked out of their own company in the wake of the scandal. She would blame the financial fraud on becoming unfocused on the business after battling breast cancer in the 1970s, which incidentally resulted in Handler inventing a new breast prosthesis following her mastectomy called Nearly Me that was so popular then First Lady Betty Ford was personally fitted for one. Controversies aside, it's impossible to overstate the significance of Ruth Handler's contributions to American culture in the 20th and now 21st centuries. 
I'm Derek Kaufman. I'm Jason Beckerman. And this is Last Days, Barbie creator Ruth Handler. When Barbie was introduced by Mattel in 1959, she was unlike any other doll ever on the market. Unlike traditional baby dolls that were meant for nurturing play, Barbie was marketed as a teenage fashion model, which was a groundbreaking concept at the time. In many ways, Barbie reflected the changing social and cultural landscape of the 1950s. The post-World War II era was characterized by a growing emphasis on consumerism, fashion, and women's roles, all of which Barbie embodied. By reflecting this newfound aspirational consumerism, Barbie, more than any other toy before or since, became a cultural icon, for better or for worse, a representation of the dreams of an entire generation of American girls. Mattel's marketing strategy for Barbie was aggressive and innovative, which sort of resembles the makers of the 2023 Barbie movie being credited for an aggressive and innovative marketing strategy. The company created a blueprint followed by subsequent generations of toy makers to leverage television advertising to create advanced buzz around a new product to ensure dynamic early sales. And man, did it work. Barbie's popularity surged immediately upon her launch, resulting, as Derek mentioned, in the sale of over 350,000 dolls in the first year. It was an unprecedented achievement in the toy industry. The momentum continued to build as Mattel introduced Ken, Midge, Skipper, and the gang, as well as countless outfits and accessories for each. And by the end of the 1960s, Mattel was generating hundreds of millions of dollars annually in sales. By the 1970s, Barbie conventions were being held across the country in which hundreds of adults, most of them men, would buy, sell, and admire rare Barbie dolls in their original boxes. Even Andy Warhol, the preeminent American influencer of the 1960s and 70s, created a famous painting of Barbie that sold at Christie's for $1.1 million. Mattel, never one to pass up on a marketing opportunity, quickly cast an Andy Warhol Barbie figurine. No word on how it sold. And in 1974, a section of Times Square was renamed Barbie Boulevard for a week for the 15th anniversary of the doll's release. In the decades since, Mattel has tried to evolve with cultural changes and consumer habits, developing Barbie-branded computer games in the 80s, computer-animated feature films in the 2000s, starting with Barbie in the Nutcracker in 2001, and streaming programming for Netflix since 2007. You know, as Jason, as you pointed out, Barbie was an absolutely revolutionary doll at the time. You only had baby dolls, so kids could uh, imitate being mothers, but they couldn't imitate being adult women in the world. And, and for that reason, she became this cultural icon that was a very positive message in certain ways, but never was Barbie free from controversy. Even the early market research showed that some parents were unhappy with the doll's breasts, fearing that it would expose young children to sexual imagery because the clothes could be removed. And this is part of the reason why famously, and it's joked about in the movie, they don't have genitalia that resembles real human genitalia. There's no nipples on Barbie's breasts. They don't have vaginas and penises. And that's because it is still a doll marketed for children. And this was true at the beginning, the inception of Barbie. There was also some controversy. I found this interesting. The original Barbie in the black and white bathing suit, a very classic piece worth a ton in, in memorabilia markets, has this sort of coquettish side glance. She's looking off to the side. It's sort of somewhat sexual. And they changed that. Now Barbie is forward looking, looks like a determined woman of the world. The other strands of controversy came later, and, and mostly this was a phenomenon of the late 80s and early 90s, and it really falls into three buckets of controversies. The first is harmful stereotypes about women in general, and this really came to the fore in the early 90s when Mattel released something called Teen Talk Barbie, who spouted phrases like, 
will we ever have enough clothes? And I love shopping. And famously or infamously, math class is tough. And this is why I bring this up because there is a savage send up of Teen Talk Barbie in a moment in The Simpsons when Lisa, the high minded, socially conscious member of the family, gets absolutely enraged when she hears her favorite Malibu Stacy doll, which is a thinly veiled version of Barbie. Uh, she pulls the string on the doll and here's what it has to say. A hush falls over the General Assembly as Stacy approaches the podium to deliver what will no doubt be a stirring and memorable address. I wish they taught shopping in school. Oh. Let's bake some cookies for the boys. Come on, Stacy. I've waited my whole life to hear you speak. Don't you have anything relevant to say? Don't ask me. I'm just a girl. <laughs> right on, say it, sister. It's not funny, Bart. Millions of girls will grow up thinking that this is the right way to act. That they can never be anything more than vacuous ninnies whose only goal is to look pretty, land a rich husband, and spend all day on the phone with their equally vacuous friends talking about how damn terrific it is to look pretty and have a rich husband. So, Jason, what's interesting here is only 1.5% of the dolls released to the market actually said this math class is tough. What they did was randomize what your Barbie doll could say yep. and only a, about a percent. But it was the story of the 90s that you had a woman saying uh, math class is so tough. It sort of painted a very bad stereotype of women in the sciences and mathematics. It, it did. But but, I, I, you, you know, I, I put myself in Ruth Handler's shoes and the shoes of Mattel going through this period. Right. And you're trying to create a doll that is both appealing to the masses, but at the same time, you don't want to offend too many people. And I think it's very difficult. Let's go back to what we were talking about a second ago with how the doll, the, the actual figure of the doll, the breast, the whole thing. I don't know if there's a right approach. And I don't know that there would have possibly been an approach that didn't result in controversy. Yes, that didn't you, rankle some group. You were trying to create a doll. So, so when you create a baby, it's easy to avoid these controversies. As soon as you create a a woman, a, even a, a, a fully teen formed girl, adult. a for, fully formed adult, you're all of a sudden going to have a physiology there that has to be presented in some way. And I don't think there's any way it could have been presented that would have avoided the controversy. I, I think that's right, although the dimensions of Barbie are famously unrealistic. Right. If you if you scaled up this 11 and a half inch figurine, it has an enormous chest, it has a tiny, tiny waist. And they did. And it has a huge waist. Right. So it's an hourglass. Right. And they did start to. Well, I guess literally file down the edges a yeah. little bit as time went by. We can talk about it. But, you know, modern, modern Barbie dolls, and my kids had them, not really, but they had them here and there, sort of when they, my kids in their teens now. They, they're rail thin. Yes. I mean, that's the one, you know, another thing beyond the buxomness, they're rail thin, but they didn't have that buxom appearance or the, you, you know, that they did in the, in the early uh, versions of this thing. So they, they did try to accommodate that. But ultimately, I think their response would be, hey, we, we had a market and we were trying to sell to I, I think that's right. I mean, look, the, the math comment has worn particularly poorly. They, they, they stepped in it a lot because, uh, you know, we still you have to you're the you're the father of daughters, Jason. Yeah. And, and the women in the STEM fields are still catching up to men in STEM fields and, and getting them into engineering and mathematics and science classes is still sort of a hurdle we're trying to overcome. And, you know, the math class is a struggle really fed a pretty negative stereotype. I think it was pretty bad. They also had a computer engineer, Barbie, who came with a booklet and she was all frustrated about not understanding <laughs> how these doohickeys work and needing a man to come over and help her program yes. a game. They could Those have avoided things are that. Pretty Those were problematic. And, and problematic, for sure. And part of it is you got to give some, you know, leniency for the times or whatever, but not too much, right? We don't want right. to bend over backwards. They were clearly trying to say, we are appealing to a very specific type of girl and doing very well. It's very successful. We're doing so, 
But they didn't, as much as they looked forward when it came to really advancing like the DVD cause, they were early on and said home home video on DVD. You know, they, they put out these sets that people would buy. They were really sort of behind the curve when it came to the social mores, to the societal mores, to the changing of the time. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including Ray-Ban, Good American, and Ulta. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals. During Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th, the cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for apparel and electronics, and you can save on everything you need for the summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Just go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Which is a good segue. Tell me how they did as a matter of diversity. I mean, Barbie, the original Barbie came out. She is uh, supposed to scale up to a five foot 11 blonde haired woman yes. who's very, very thin. And that's still who we think of Barbie and that's today. That's still what the Barbie image is. That's why Margot Robbie plays her in the movie. Yeah. So the first black Barbie was introduced in 1967. Her name was Francie. Many criticized the early iterations of the doll for lacking distinctive features and just basically being a painted version of a, pl- a plastic. Yeah. Basically, they just darkened the co- color of the plastic and otherwise kept her completely as the original Barbie doll had been. Uh, they waded into controversy in the early 2000s when they collaborated with Nabisco on an Oreo-themed Barbie, which is actually painful for me to say right now. It's painful <laughs> to even discuss how, how this got through a gigantic company's board of directors without somebody saying this could be problematic. Right. At the time, they were introducing slowly additional uh, uh, black Barbie dolls, and they were starting to tinker with the you know physiques to to appeal to a different audience potentially or at least to be a slightly more realistic that we talked about it they they've sort of shaved down the edges on all barbie dolls a little bit to make them not com- so caricaturish and they did that with with uh, black barbie dolls they started to introduce as well so hispanic dolls were introduced in 1980 and they suffered similar criticism of ambiguous presentation Mattel has responded to the criticisms over the years, expanding one of their lines to include seven skin tones, 22 eye colors, 24 hairstyles, and other unique variations. They were outdone a little bit. American Doll, have you gotten the American Doll phenomenon? Absolutely. They were outdone by that. There's also the, um, there's another one. It's 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 like a zombie kind of, you know, this ho- this zombie high kind of thing. And they, Yes, and I've they, seen the movies. And they also have this wide array of, of colors and features and the whole thing. They were outdone by these other, even the Cabbage Patch Kids in 1980. There was a wide array of races uh, pre- presented there. Barbie was very late to the yeah to, it, to the game. It's funny. Look, Barbie came out in 1959 and had to sort of adjust to the times. This was a there were radical alterations t- to society. Demographics changed when they introduced the Hispanic dolls. The first one or one of the earlier ones was called Cinco de Mayo Barbie. I remember yeah. this, and she was in full uh, attire that was the color of the Mexican flag. So they really went overboard into sort of pushing uh, sort of specific identities. And now they've sort of like eased into everyone. We just have all races of Barbies and it's just sort of more normalized. But they track that history very closely because the company's so old. So they right. had to reflect the shifting demographics. Now, the big category of controversy, though, is body image. 
Uh, this has been the most persistent criticism of the of Barbie is that this doll conveys an unrealistic body image. Now, as I mentioned before, her actual dimensions, if scaled up to a full size human, have been estimated to be a five nine woman with a thirty six inch. Uh, chest, 18-inch waist, and 33-inch hips, which is nearly a perfect hourglass and just nothing close the to the dimensions 18, of a human. Let's discuss the 18-inch wa- waist. Does that in and of itself exist anywhere? I, I don't I, think I, it exists. <laughs> and, and, and as you said early on, unlike the baby dolls, Barbie was positioned as aspirational. This right. is what you wanted to grow up to become. So It the was problem specifically was, marketed as such, that's right? That's right. Yes. It wasn't you're going to grow up and take care and be a mother to babies. It was this is what you could be in the future. You could wear these high-fashion clothes you could be all these things but you might want to look this way that's a big problem to a lot of people uh there was a research hospital in finland that said someone with such dimensions would lack the body fat percentage (laughs) required for menstruation so you would see these studies come out and say we are setting up a big big problem in this country and there were you know connections between people tried to make between barbie and eating disorders body dysmorphia and so forth some of it just to interject it is a little bit of wokeness here. I mean, this is a doll, after all. Similar to the video games causing violence kind of hysteria that also took place in the 90s. You know, I'm not sure the point is well taken, but let's not have it consume the entire conversation. I mean, not not our conversation, but the the, the cultural conversation about Barbie. Yeah. You can still have it exist even though it's preposterous in its dimensions. Right. You're giving Barbie a lot of credit if you think the girls are starving themselves to look exactly like this figurine. Right. Um, In 2016, though, they had to address it. So what Mattel did was introduce a range of new body types. They had tall, petite, and curvy. And what was interesting about trying to change what classic Barbie looked like is that the children who had been so ingrained to believe that Barbie looks a certain way, she has her feet up high and the Mm -hmm. high heels and so forth, that when they introduced these new ones, some of the children said, curvy uh, Barbie is fat. And so that was so such a big part of the culture. People said, this is a big problem. They can't even get out of the mode of this beauty standard that they set up in the late 50s. There's also something called Barbie syndrome, which I wanted to comment comment on briefly. We see this in, in our line of work. There are certain people who desire so deeply to have the physical appearance and the lifestyle of Barbie doll that they go through extreme uh, surgeries, cosmetic surgeries to look like a human Ken doll or look like a million dollar Barbie. There's a woman named Lacey Wid who has this nickname million dollar Barbie. She underwent 12 breast augmentation surgeries to achieve the look. There's a person named Justin Jedlica who calls himself the human Ken doll, had countless nose jobs, six pack abs put in. This is pretty destructive stuff. But again, to your point, I'm not sure that the people who go to these lengths to look like Barbie, you can lay at Barbie's feet. There's something going on with those people as well. But I wanted to at least point out that there's something called Barbie syndrome. There is something called Barbie syndrome, which the the movie sort of highlights in a way, right? By I mean, they they cast this perfect person, you know, in in the lead role, but it's self-effacing in a way, right? They're acknowledging, they're leaning into the problems that this company has had in the past. They're leaning into... The, the the idea of Barbie in this idealized, fictionalized world. and It's so deft, right? They've right. embedded the critique yeah. of Barbie within the, this right. corporate construct of a movie that's licensed and approved by Mattel. That's the genius of this Barbie phenomenon. And so where does this put the company? I mean, this movie is a runaway success. Yeah. It, it, it could get to a, a billion and a half dollars, maybe even more. The company, which had been struggling 
in recent years. Uh, you know, selling dolls is, is not what it was in the right. 80s and 90s. The, there's a lot different toys. Video games are bigger and so forth. Where do they stand now? Yeah, really, this movie really presents a huge opportunity for Mattel to return to a position of dominance and maybe even give Disney a run for their money. In 2023, Mattel broke ground on a theme park in Phoenix, Arizona, which will open in 2024 and highlights all this Bobbery stuff, right? Including the famous Malibu Beach House. And given the enthusiasm over the movie, the timing couldn't be better. We saw this. Disney's in a lull. Disney's in a lull. Disney's in a lull. Theme Marvel park revenues has softened. Down, right? You know, the theme park revenues have softened. Could there be an opening here? It's, it's impossible to fathom someone challenging, uh, you know, Disney, although other theme parks have made moves. They, they have. I mean, Harry Potter obviously has its own sort of theme park within a theme park at Universal. It's The movie was so smart in that it didn't, it played against all the sort of common conventions about Barbie. It did such a deaf job that it's now very cool. Whereas, you know, it would have been very uncool to go to two years ago. It would have been totally uncool to go to a Barbie theme. A hundred percent. Now it would be the coolest thing to do. Now it's a year away. Phenomenons, phenomena come and go. There could uh, be a backlash against the, the movie. There We're will still be waiting sequels yeah. with 100%. Se- there will be sequels. There will be other sort of, you know, spinoffs of, of Barbie, new television show, new programming coming out. Could get saturated. It and- could get saturated or it could flop, right? This mm-hmm. this lightning in a bottle is hard, you know, I'm mis- mixing metaphors here. It's hard to catch lightning in a bottle twice, right? And mm-hmm. so we have this this fear, but they, they're doing what they need to do. Right. I, I think they are. And yeah. the company's really sort of grown up because, as we've said, they've waded through controversies basically since their inception. It's a, There's been controversy after controversy. Now it's a very mature corporation. They've been trying to modernize Barbie. And in some sense, this this doll is an antiquated, uh, you know, fixture of the 50s mindset. But they've made her sort of modern in a lot of ways. The company launched something called the Barbie Dream Gap Project. This is sort of in direct response to that teen talk Barbie that said right. math is tough. Right. And they're really trying to raise awareness now about the phenomenon of little girls doubting their intelligence which leads to this disparity in their representation in certain career fields like engineering so they are addressing these concerns I think in a pretty savvy way there's also a line of role model Barbies I remember when these came out you've got everyone you've got Frida Kahlo Amelia Earhart Ava DuVernay Chloe Kim Naomi Osaka and I think that will make inroads into the idea that Barbie it, the Barbie of the 50s is no more now. Sh- now it's okay to um, have a big career. The movie touches on this as well. The Supreme Court is all women in the movie yes. and so forth. And so those aspirations, they're now sort of situating in a way that if you're going to make an aspirational doll, make the aspirations good values. Right. So, you know, here we all, all these years later, after the Barbie's original creation, it is more popular at this moment, I think, than it has ever been in the history of Barbie, which is saying something because in the 1950s, it was the preeminent toy in the world. Yeah. Um, and it's got this incredibly bright future, but it's it's hard to see a a character based on a doll sort of taking hold in this age of digital stimulation and video games, but they've given themselves the best chance they can. I think so. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Barbie is ascendant, and look, we're even doing a podcast about Ruth Handler uh, today yeah. because she is just undeniable. Her impact on culture uh, I thought had passed. I thought that moment had passed yeah. when I was a kid. And now we hear, we're here again. We're talking about Ruth Handler because now in the 21st century, she's as important as she was in the 20th. <laughs> <laughs>